Welcome to the Stories She Sings, where we bring messages of biblical women to life through inspired songs. We hope this podcast will be a place of rest, refuge, and refreshing in the presence of God. Wherefore, I would speak unto you that are of the church, that are the peaceable followers of Christ, and that have obtained a sufficient hope by which she can enter into the rest of the Lord from this time henceforth until you shall rest with him in heaven. And now, my brethren, I judge these things of you because of your peaceable walk with the children of men. For I behold the word of God which saith, By their works ye shall know them. For if their works be good, then they are good also. For behold, God hath said, A man being evil cannot do that which is good. For if he offereth a gift or prayeth unto God, except he shall do it with real intent, it profiteth him nothing. Wherefore, a man being evil cannot do that which is good, neither will he give a good gift. For behold, a bitter fountain cannot bring forth good water, neither can a good fountain bring forth bitter water. Wherefore, a man being a servant of the devil cannot follow Christ, and if he follow Christ, he cannot be a servant of the devil. Wherefore, all things which are good cometh of God. Behold, that which is of God inviteth and enticeth to do good continually. Wherefore, everything which inviteth and enticeth to do good and to love God and to serve Him is inspired of God. The pure love of Christ versus the lust of the flesh. If you would like your relationships to be filled with the pure love of Christ, you must consider what message you are sending. Are you communicating your intention for that relationship in a clear, direct, honest, open manner? Are you masquerading the truth beneath a cloak of lies? Are you flattered by the attention of the one who is seeking out your company? Are you honestly endeavoring and striving to build a relationship built on trust and respect with that son or daughter of Christ? Are you seeking to make that relationship eternal? Is your intention pure or defiled? Do you have ulterior motives? Is this a selfish interest that serves you but for a moment? Or do you honestly want this relationship to last eternally? If it is a relationship but for a moment, simply long enough to meet your needs, the needs of the ego for vanity or flattery or physical gratification, to satisfy some hidden agenda, to meet some unfulfilled appetite, it is not long enough. If it's not eternal, it's too short. True love is first built upon principles of spirit. All things were created spiritually before they were created physically. To lust is to seek or to covet overtly or covertly thy neighbor's wife or anything else that does not belong to you. It is to seek possession of someone or something that suits your fancy. This means in short that it is to desire something or someone that is not yours. It is also to want something or someone who or which may be yours, but to want it more than you want Christ as your divine center. First the eyes linger, then the mind wanders, 
and soon the heart strays into forbidden paths, centering itself upon the object of its affection. And what is a forbidden path? It is any path which is not eternally yours to take. To lust is to desire the carnal, the devilish, and the sensual. It is to crave the physical pleasures empowered by unchecked emotions, surging passions, in short, by the unrighteous desires of one's heart. It is a righteous desire run rampant. It is to seek to fulfill the appetites of the flesh without any regard of who your actions may hurt temporarily or eternally. It is to be carried away in the moment without any regard for the eternal consequence of that action. It is to take no thought for your soul or for the soul of the object of your affection and passion. Is it pure love or addiction that you are pursuing? Is it truth? Is it fiction? The fact is this, if you are pursuing any relationship which you do not believe in your heart of hearts is or could be yours eternally, you are taking the wrong course. What is sin? It is to pursue the wrong course at top speed or to slowly meander down a supposed path, even a bed of roses, only to find out it is a bed of thorns. Follow your divine intuition. Close your eyes. Visualize the path you are presently on. Visualize the end from the beginning. If you do not want that which you see at the end of the path, return your heart, repent, and your mind for wandering down it. Now visualize the ocean before you. You are sitting on the bow of a great vessel. Christ is at the helm. Shining on the water is a pathway of light that carries you toward a promised land, which you may not even be able to see in the distance across the space of the waters. Be true to the path which is lit before you, and it shall lead you to a fullness of joy. Turn your back on the past and set your sails in the wind. See the vessel gracefully gliding towards that which you want eternally. Pursue with all your heart that which your heart desires in righteousness. Set aside the things of this world for the things of a better one. Deny the momentary pleasure. Deny that which is easy to succumb to and strengthen your resolve to pursue the course that will bring you the greatest joy. There is not time to take forbidden paths. Your energy is required for a higher calling, for holier matters, for righteous endeavors. Set aside your addictions by offering each one to the Savior. See him in your mind's eye, standing before you. Give him the addictions of your heart, your mind, and your flesh, naming them one by one. Simply let them go, and let him receive each one of them. Ask, and ye shall receive your very own plan, your very own map of salvation. Do not offer counterfeit love. Do not seek the affections of many. Serve many. Seek the affection of one, even the Savior Jesus Christ. And as you grow in his pure love for you, you will obtain the pure gift to give to the many. To offer the pure love of Christ is to offer the truth, no matter how painful that truth may be. It is to offer it in kindness, expressing true love, respect, devotion,
and the desire to preserve one's own integrity and the honor of other involved spirit sons and daughters of Christ. It is to look after the hearts of others and to sacrifice one's own desires in the moment. It is to preserve the dignity of another human being. It is to decline any and every offer made to you by vulnerable souls who would offer you a mess of pottage for yours or their birthright. It is to never take advantage of another spirit son or daughter of God who is at your mercy. It is to deny them on their way, wish them well, bless them, and return them to their own self-respect, self-worth and dignity unruffled, intact, and in tenderness. To lust is to desire with one's own heart and mind any outcome that will fulfill one's own appetites and passions in the moment without regard for the end result. No thought is taken or even considered as to how this affection runs rampant for that which you ought not to desire will result. On the other end of the spectrum is to truly love. To truly love is to desire what is in the eternal best interest of another spirit, son or daughter of Christ, as well as your own. It is to desire what is in your own eternal best interest. It is to be true to the goal afar off and to not live for the moment. Love's purest and only intention is to serve, to honor, to respectfully minister, to bless others while denying oneself of all ungodliness. To lust is an enemy to all righteousness. It is to sit down at the table dressed as a supposed friend and to indulge in the mess of pottage. It is to partake freely of what you have no intention of paying for. The price for pure love is a sincere level of commitment for that which you willingly receive. It is to pay in advance with honest, heartfelt allegiance for the gift that you are accepting. Commitment is the only currency in the building of eternal relationships. To allow another spirit, son or daughter of God, to indulge in the affections of your mind, heart or body, knowing that they have no intention of paying up front with the currency of commitment, is to lust after them as well. Any other explanation is a rationalization. One must honor thyself and preserve one's own virtue or light source at all costs. One should think high enough of oneself as to demand that self-honor be preserved, dignity be held intact, and that self-control be maintained. To give up one's own honor for the moment as the partaker or as the one being taken advantage of is to break off points of your star. It is to give up your light, for there are no free meals. What is not paid for in the spirit of commitment will be taken from your light account within. There is no free gift when it comes to lust. Light becomes the currency with which the action is paid for. The light of Christ within you will grow dimmer each time you indulge in a lustful activity on any level. If you are not willing to pay with the commitment of your heart and mind, you will pay with your own light of Christ. There are no free meals. To indulge is to knowingly rob oneself of the currency of light and virtue and to rob another spirit, son, or daughter of God of their light and virtue as well. 
Thus, there is a lessening of energy in its pure form in every act of lust on any level. As the pure love of Christ is offered in relationships between sons and daughters of God, the currency of light and virtue is increased when both the giver and the receiver become receiver and giver as well, and both are edified, becoming spiritually connected as one, no longer being a source only of an alternating current, but a direct current source of light, truth, and the pure love of Christ. This love is the only love which will never fail, or in other words, it is the only love which will never fail you, falter, or die. A good fountain cannot bring forth bitter waters, neither can a bitter fountain bring forth pure waters. In short, if it is not based in light, truth, or the pure love of Christ, it is varying shades of darkness or lust-based. Lust, simply stated, is any action whose intention is not light, truth, or the pure love of Christ. It is expending energy on any pursuit that is not eternal. If it's not eternal, it is a waste of your precious time. Even spending a short time on the wrong path in the wrong pursuit is too long. As you pursue the wrong path, even with zeal, conviction, and commitment, it is still unrighteous, as to pursue any path that is not eternal is crooked and must be straightened. Just as love is increased in varying degrees of light until the perfect day, lust decreases the light of Christ within you until you are left to sit alone in absolute darkness. You make payments from your light source for every act you commit that is not based on righteous commitment or covenant. Whenever you show up in life without a commitment to serve others, based on a need to serve yourself, you will pay a price. The price is light. Even to covet the attention of others is a form of lust in the beginning stages. If left unchecked, the ego takes over, and you may even begin to pursue what you don't want out of the fear of rejection. What is the fear of rejection? It is often the pursuit of what you don't want in order to feed the needs of the ego. If you truly want to feast on the things of the Spirit, you must first fast from feeding the ego. The ego is the false self which consumes and lives off of a false sense of security. The Spirit is the true self and feasts upon divine affirmations of the true self. The affirmation of the true self is the Christ or the I am within you. The ego's needs are to be noticed, to be the favorite, to stand out rather than to stand strong, the need to have the most, to be ahead of rather than to be a part of, to possess, to control, to dominate. It feeds off of selfishness, jealousy, covetousness, control, dominion, lust, envy, any and all forms of darkness in varying shades and degrees. It is the old wine that must be cleansed from the bottle before the newness of spirit can be experienced. Lust begins as innocently as a summer rain and becomes a thunderstorm without too much warning. Love is a river that is constant, pure and ever flowing, ever giving, ever receiving from its source 
into another source. Lust consumes, it stagnates. Love is all-consuming. Lust is a quiet ember that ignites into flames and destroys without notice. Love burns gently in the hearth of the human soul and warms the heart. In scripture it tells us that we were conceived in sin. The energy of the moment, the time of conception for many of us, was lust. Yet since all things were created spiritually, before they were created physically, as spirit sons and daughters of God, we were conceived in love. Ever since the moment of conception then, the love of our spiritual creation and the lust of our mortal creation has been at war with one another, determining which side would win. We each have a generational history of the energy of lust residing within ourselves, our DNA, our energy fields. How can we clear that lower vibration and frequency that resides within us? By claiming the Atonement of Jesus Christ in our behalf and in behalf of the generations that both precede us and will follow us. Atonement means at one moment we can therefore be quickened through our faith in Jesus Christ simply by asking for the gift of purification, cleansing, sanctification upon our mortal beings. Scripture also tells us that if we will pray with all the energy of our souls, we will be filled with the pure love of Christ, which is bestowed upon all true followers of Christ. We must ask to be cleansed, both on a cellular level and to receive a literal change of heart, that we may not only become recipients of this gift, but deliverers of this gift as well. That is the healer's touch. Just as love has three degrees of glory, telestial, terrestrial, and celestial, so does lust have three degrees of darkness, just like a first-degree burn, a second-degree burn, and a third-degree burn damage the flesh in varying intensities, so does the lust of the flesh damage the spirit in varying degrees of intensity. The lust of the mind is a first-degree burn to the spirit of man. It usually begins as a casual thought, being stimulated by one of the physical senses. This is why simply viewing a commercial, seeing the cover of an enticing magazine, overhearing a suggestive comment, all can plant seeds of darkness within the mind. Thought precedes action. If the seed of lust, cast in our minds, via the physical senses, falls upon fertile soil, the seed begins to take root and grow into desire. The lust of the heart is a second degree burn to the spirit of man. If the seed of darkness or lust in a saline form is nurtured by thought and desire or emotion, which simply stated is energy in motion, the sin begins to grow. Thought nurtured by emotion grows into a desire. Desire fueled with more emotion becomes a fire of passion. Passion nurtured with a greater intensity of emotion becomes a second-degree burn to the spirit and his painful effects wound the spirit on a deeper level. And he that looketh upon a woman to lust after her has committed adultery within his heart. The brain does not differentiate between reality and a vividly imagined experience. Adding emotion to thought becomes an act in and of itself 
on a fanciful or wishful thinking level. This is the second stage of lust. Lust as a third degree burn to the spirit is when mind and heart have combined their wills and now lay in wait for the opportunity to act out their preconceived fantasy. Every act of lust can be traced back to what seemed to be at first a perfectly innocent thought. Just as a third degree burn burns the nerve endings in the flesh down many layers of skin, so does lust in the third degree sear the conscience and burn the heart on many levels. Fornication, adultery, and all forms of lasciviousness are all symptoms of lust, passed from a mere thought to a desire to an action. We must watch our thoughts in the beginning stages and pluck out the seeds of any thought that could precede an unrighteous action. A mere thought is not as innocent as it seems when you look at the end result in the beginning stages. Do you plant seeds in your garden without first knowing what they will become? Do we scatter seeds in our garden soil without first carefully considering if we truly want to harvest a garden full of poison ivy? Perhaps if we looked at the package and saw a clear picture of what this seed will eventually grow into, we would think first before investing the time, effort, and energy into cultivating and harvesting a whole lot of misery. Once we have added desire to the thought, emotion secures the roots of what we think we want into the garden soil of our hearts and minds, and it becomes harder and harder to uproot the noxious weed. Claiming the Miracle of Abundance As a child of God, I lay claim upon the gift of divine inheritance which is mine to claim through obedience to the gospel and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I understand that for every blessing there is a law upon which that blessing is predicated. I understand the law of work and the law of faith combined together and that faith without work is dead. I understand my responsibility to do more than dream of my mansions above. I understand the promise, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all else shall be added unto you. I understand the scriptures that promise, If you keep the commandments, ye shall prosper in the land. I understand that without financial means, the good I can do is hindered, and that I need more in order to give more. I also acknowledge that it is my desire and pure intent to receive in order to give, and that I do desire with all my heart to be generous with others, to assist others, to share my abundance with others, to give in good measure to others, and to bless others as I have been so richly blessed. I am grateful for those who have entered my life and who have been generous with their means with me, that I may be able to do the Lord's work in all aspects of my life. I am grateful for the temporal blessings which have come to me through the hand of God, through the hand of friends, through my own hands working, many times through the softening of someone's heart to me. I pray that I may be blessed with the miracle of abundance, that I may repay all those to whom I am in debt. I claim the gift of the miracle of abundance for the following purpose, that I may seek first the kingdom of heaven, that all else might be added unto me. 
that I may do good all the days of my life, that I may share the message of peace with others whom I come into contact with, with the means that I have been given, that I may magnify my talents and fulfill the measure of my creation, that I may inspire others to lay claim upon thy divine providence and bounteous blessings in their own life, that I may continue to exercise gifts of creativity through the voice of inspiration and share the gift of song with others, that I may be able to take care of my temporal needs without assistance from others, that I may become financially stable, strong, and wise in all my expenditures, that I may inspire others to believe that Thou art a God of miracles and abundance, that I may overcome the spirit of poverty, being poor in spirit, and inspire others to do the same, that I may be able to do more good works, that I may be able to provide for my family and myself, that I may not be dependent upon the arm of flesh for my sustenance, that I may do the Lord's work and assist others in doing the same, that I may lay aside the material things of this world in order to build a mansion in heaven through good works, through giving good gifts, and through generosity, that I may be able to help others and inspire them to find the talent within themselves that can bless their lives and the lives of those whom they know, that I may know that the ability to create a silk purse from a sow's ear lies within each of us, and that with God nothing is impossible, that I may bless the poor and help them to be rich in spirit, that I may be generous with others as Thou hast been generous with me, that I may receive the promises of all other blessings. In order to accomplish the most amount of good, I need financial abundance, security, and miracles. I claim the miracle of financial abundance to do good works and to bring glory to His name. I release the pride of this world, the desire for material possessions, the need for control, for power, covetousness, greed, envy, vanity, and lay claim upon this miracle of abundance as a spiritual gift, not only for myself, but for others. In Jesus' name, amen. Claiming the spirit of obedience. As a child of God, an heir to all my Father hath, I understand that all blessings, promises, privileges, contracts, and covenants with God are predicated upon my obedience, faithfulness, and righteousness in keeping my agreements with Him. I understand that blessings, miracles, gifts of the Spirit, temporal blessings, favors, merits, rewards, spiritual gifts, even my very breath, and the gifts of abundance all granted to me are according to my level of worthiness, readiness, faithfulness, and obedience. I believe that through the Atonement of Christ I may be saved by obedience to the laws and ordinances of the Gospel, namely faith, repentance, baptism by immersion for the remission of sins, and the gift of the Holy Ghost. From my lost and fallen state of ignorance, and from my past history of a very long list, of disobedient acts made in ignorance, pride, self-will, rebelliousness, double-mindedness, or out of sheer foolishness. Through the Atonement of Christ, I release the spirit of vacillation, deviation from the Lord's plan for me, double-mindedness, 
seeking to do my own will, having other gods before thee, idolatry, seeking man's approval, fear of man, trust in the arm of flesh, waywardness, a wandering heart, running to and fro without a purpose, frivolity, superficial expenditures of time, wasting my allotted time here on earth on pursuits that are not eternal and infinite, Spending my energy on pursuits and relationships that are valueless, being uncommitted to the cause of righteousness, doing good things for the wrong reason, pursuing finite relationships, leaning on my own understanding, wasting time, idleness, taking detours, walking on the broad road that leads to destruction, disobedience, rebelliousness, succumbing to peer pressure, giving into others' agendas for me that are not God's agendas for me, not hearkening to the Lord's anointed, not praying with real intent, not seeking the Lord's mind and will on all of my pursuits, not petitioning the Lord on weighty matters, not seeking light and truth from the scriptures on a daily basis, negligence of my relationship with God the Eternal Father and His Son Jesus Christ, being ungrateful, not counting my blessings, repeating past history, not learning from the past, ignorance, foolishness, silliness, breaking the word of wisdom, not paying a complete tithe, being a Sabbath breaker, not attending my meetings regularly, breaking my covenants, spirit of indifference, being holier than thou, thinking I know best, doing my own thing, seeking my own showing a lack of humility, pride, a false sense of security, and any other form of disobedience which I am guilty of, especially not fulfilling my callings, covenants, and stewardships to the very best of my ability at all times. I understand that the time allotted to me on earth is a gift, an honor, and a privilege. I understand I have wasted time on other activities, actions, conversations that are not in adherence with my priorities, commitments, and covenants. I understand that the root of all evil is a disobedient spirit. I release through the atonement of Jesus Christ the disobedient spirit that has possessed my body, mind, and heart, and that has ruled my will. I release all habits that I have adopted and formed through the course of my days, pursuits, affections of my heart, relationships to people, places, hobbies, activities that do not lead me on my path to a fullness of joy. I release the celestial, terrestrial tendencies in me to waste time and ask that I be granted the spirit of an obedient and loving heart, one who serves God, loves Him, and keeps His commandments knowing that any commandment that He gives to me is simply direction and guidance to lead me on the path to a fullness of joy whereby I can avoid emotional blocks, spiritual blocks, and physical blocks. I claim that my eyes will be single to God's glory, that I may serve Him with a willing mind and heart. I claim a discerning heart and mind in choosing how and with whom to spend my time. I claim single-mindedness to replace double-mindedness, wisdom to replace foolishness and ignorance, gratitude for life to replace lifelessness and listlessness, the ability to straighten my course from detours deviations and crooked paths, the straight and narrow path to replace the broad road that leads to destruction, spiritual ambition, perseverance, 
decisiveness, commitment to a righteous cause, loyalty to keeping all of God's commandments, and the ability to practice virtue and holiness before Him continually, constantly, persistently, and dedicatedly, without hesitation or exception. I claim virtue and purity to guard, protect, and become the essence of who I am. I claim the spirit of obedience in all matters and claim a resolute desire and determination to keep all of God's commandments, not only to the letter of the law, but by the spirit of the law. I claim and adopt the nature of being true and faithful in all things. I claim the spirit of faith, knowing that faith precedes the miracle. I claim the ability and heartfelt desire to worship God through the spirit of obedience and to easily part company with all former sins and attitudes of resistance to goodness. I release all acts of ignorance, disobedience, rebelliousness, and foolishness. I release my favorite sins and choose from this time forth to be a faithful, true, honest in heart, virtuous, praiseworthy, obedient child of God. I follow the admonition, if there is anything beautiful, lovely, praiseworthy, or of good report, we seek after these things. This includes habits, practices, relationships, goals, activities, priorities, leisure time, causes which I support, and any activity that I pledge my allegiance to. I have only so much time here on earth and only so much energy. I claim the gift of discernment in knowing how I can best spend my time, that I may give back to God the gift of time He has given to me, magnified, fulfilled, and having lived up to His righteous expectations of me. I know that He has placed great confidence and faith in me, and I understand that only through obedience to Him will I be able to earn a righteous reward in this life and in the world to come, coupled with His mercy and His grace upon me. I claim a release upon my children who have seen any unrighteous acts, any disobedience, and pray that I may prove faithful and teach them the doctrines of salvation and repent of my negligence in teaching them the sober things of eternity. I claim joy and happiness by following the Savior Jesus Christ and by walking hand in hand with Him into the presence of my eternal Father and Mother in Heaven by my own free will, not kicking against the pricks as I have in times past. I claim the spirit of becoming as a little child. I claim being meek, submissive, easy to be entreated by Him in all things pertaining to righteousness. I lay down my own will upon the altar and ask that from this time forth I may have the mind, will, and heart to know and to do God's will. This includes scripture study, a prayerful heart, a spirit of fasting, worshipful church service, fulfilling my callings and stewardships, paying fast and tithes, keeping the word of wisdom, being a faithful child, being clean, virtuous, and morally upright, being honest in all my dealings with my fellow man, and all other commandments such as loving God with all my heart, mind, mind and strength, loving myself, and loving my neighbor as myself. I do this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Wherefore, by the ministering of angels 
and by every word which proceedeth forth out of the mouth of God, men began to exercise faith in Christ, and thus by faith they did lay hold upon every good gift, upon the miracle of abundance, and thus it was until the coming of Christ. And after that he came, men also were saved by faith in his name, and by faith they became the sons of God. And as surely as Christ liveth, he spake these words unto our Father, saying, Whatsoever thing ye shall ask the Father in my name, which is good, in faith believing that ye shall receive, it shall be done unto you. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, have miracles ceased because Christ hath ascended into heaven and hath sat down on the right hand of God to claim of the Father his rights of mercy, which he hath upon the children of men? Thus ye also have rights of mercy to the Father through the Savior, for he hath answered the ends of the law. He hath paid the difference of what we cannot afford to pay for our own sins, and he claimeth all those who have faith in him. Therefore we can claim him and his atoning sacrifice, not because of our perfection, but through our faith in him. And they who have faith in him will cleave unto every good gift. Wherefore he advocateth the cause of the children of men, and he dwelleth eternally in the heavens. And because he hath done this, my beloved brethren, have miracles? Has abundance ceased? Behold, I say unto you, Nay, neither have angels ceased to minister unto the children of men. For behold, they, the angels, are subject unto him to minister according to the word of his command, showing themselves unto them of strong faith and a firm mind in every form of godliness. And Christ has said, If ye will have faith in me, ye shall have power to do whatsoever thing is expedient in me. What is expedient in Christ that I should do with the spiritual gifts, gifts of abundance, miracles that he has generously given to me? And he has said, Repent, all ye ends of the earth, and come unto me, and be baptized in my name, and have faith in me, that ye may be saved. And now, my beloved brethren, if this be the case, that these things are true, which I have spoken unto you, and God will show unto you with power and great glory at the last day that they are true, if they are true, has the day of miracles and God's abundance ceased? Have angels ceased to appear unto the children of men? Or has he withheld the power of the Holy Ghost from them? Or will he, so long as time shall last, or the earth shall stand, or there shall be one man upon the face thereof to be saved? I say unto you, Nay, for it is by faith that miracles and God's abundance are wrought, and it is by faith that angels appear even in the flesh and minister unto men even in the spirit. Wherefore, if these things have ceased, if abundance has ceased, woe be unto the children of men, for it is because of unbelief and unwillingness to ask through fasting and prayer, and all is vain. For no man can be saved spiritually, emotionally, financially, temporally, according to the words of Christ, save they shall have faith in his name. 
Wherefore, if these things, miracles and abundance, has ceased, then has faith ceased also, and awful is the state of man, for they are as though there had been no redemption made. But behold, my beloved brethren, I judge better things of you, for I judge that ye have faith in Christ because of your meekness. For if ye have not faith in him, then ye are not fit to be numbered among the people of his church. And again, my beloved brethren, I would speak unto you concerning hope. How is it that ye can attain unto faith? Save ye shall have hope. Wherefore, if a man have faith, he must needs have hope, for without faith there cannot be any hope. And again, behold, I say unto you, that he cannot have faith and hope, save he shall be meek and lowly of heart. If so, his faith and hope is in vain, for none is acceptable before God, save the meek and lowly in heart. And if a man be meek and lowly in heart, and confesses by the power of the Holy Ghost that Jesus is the Christ, he must needs have charity. For if he have not charity, he is nothing. Wherefore, he must needs have charity. Claiming the gift of giving pure love. As a child of God, I am growing in my understanding that the pure love of Christ is the energy of God, and by it was the world created. By its power, healing occurs on every level and dimension in time and in eternity. I embrace my understanding that there is no other name by which man can be saved or power except through the name of Jesus Christ, because He is the embodiment of perfect love, glorious truth. He is the light of the world. I claim the love of the Savior Jesus Christ to shield my heart and mind from my oppressors, enemies, and any unseen attempt by the adversary to thwart me from my path. I claim the pure love of Christ to shield my heart from the effects of all darker and lesser energies namely the energies of fear, doubt, shame, guilt, blame, accusation, lust, revenge, anger, jealousy, control, dominating others, resentment, contention, and all other unholy emotions that I am subject to as a spirit being in a mortal body. I claim the pure love of Christ to shield my mind and heart from the fiery darts of the adversary, that I may not be poisoned by criticism, anger, retaliation, incrimination, or cursings of those who find fault with me. I claim the spiritual gift of returning a soft answer which will turn away wrath, the ability to soften the hearts of those who find fault with me the gift of sending out blessings for cursings, and of giving love in good measure, pressed down and running over to those who would despitefully use or persecute me. I claim the ability to see my fellow brothers and sisters in this world through the eyes of God, to understand their goodness, to see beyond the mortal tabernacle of clay, and to see them with the eyes of the pure love of Christ. I ask that I may claim the ability to heal as the Savior healed only in and through His power and His name 
and that through my faith in Him, broken hearts shall be made whole, broken self-perceptions may be made fresh and bright and new, and that lives that are saddened and sorrow-filled may be strengthened in and through the love of God. I claim the blessing of being a peacemaker and of spreading love and peace where there is hate and contention, whether in a crowded room or in a turbulent mind and heart. I pray that I may bring a sense of peace to those who suffer from turmoil and that regardless of their circumstances, they will be gently carried into a place of peace and rest while they are in this world, as described in the scriptures, until they shall rest with Christ in the world to come. I pray with all the energy of my heart that I may be filled with an understanding of the pure love of Christ and with my spirit being filled and possessed with it. I release all other motives and intentions for doing good and or doing evil. I claim the gift of becoming as a little child so that I may enter into God's presence and be a part of His eternal family, meek, submissive, easy to be entreated, gentle, long-suffering, cheerful, happy, spontaneous, joyful. I pray that charity, even the pure love of Christ, may blot out and eradicate the multitude of my many sins, and that I may be forgiven of my faults, follies, flaws, trespasses, misperceptions, misunderstandings, inconsistencies, lack of consideration for others. I pray that I may be filled with this spiritual gift above all other gifts, knowing and believing and understanding that it is one of the greatest gifts of God, the only gift of God that shall determine my station in the world to come. I pray that I may be filled with patience, long-suffering, kindness, tolerance, gentle persuasion, righteous communications, and the spirit of love for all who I meet and know. I pray that those whom I have hurt in the past will be blessed with a spirit of forgiveness, that they may not have to suffer the effects of bitterness, and that our relationships which initially began with a pure intent may be healed, blessed, and prospered through the abundance of God's love. I pray that I may be sealed to my elder brother Jesus Christ, and that my life may be filled with good works, even the good works that he himself did while in the flesh. I offer him my hands, my voice, my feet, my smile, my eyes, my arms, my heart, my mind, my song, my words, my life as the instrument of healing through which he can pour his tender mercies as a steady stream from a fountain of pure light, love and truth into the lives of others. I understand that the pure love of Christ is the fountain of all righteousness and an eternal and unending source and supply of perfect love. I pray that I may be one who ladles cups of fresh water and light to those who are thirsty for pure love 
light and truth, that I may be the means of helping others to tap into this fountain of pure white, crystal clear healing, influence and power, the light, love and truth of God. I pray for the ability to speak peace to the souls of those who desire it, who need it, who ache for it. I pray for the ability to mourn with those who mourn, to comfort those who stand in need of comfort, to lift up the hands that hang down, and to strengthen the feeble knees. I pray that I may be protected by the pure love of Christ, that I may manage my life through the energy of this love and through its power, that I may be healed and spread the gift of healing from heart to heart, from life to life, and from generation to generation. Laying claim upon the Lord's abundance of love through my faith in Him. Child, why do you suffer needlessly? Why do you accept scarcity as acceptable? Why do you not feast upon the abundance that is within your reach? Why do you not ask for the Lord's bounteous blessings in your life? Why do you not seek for more light, more truth, more love? Why do you grovel in financial scarcity when simply by asking in faith, the way would be opened up to you to have abundance? What does it mean to lay claim upon Christ? It simply means to accept the gift that He freely offers you. The gift He offers is His atoning sacrifice. All you have to do to qualify is to be a sinner with a desire to be made whole. The whole have no need for a physician. Those who are sick at heart, sick in spirit, mentally ill, physically ill, are all qualified to lay claim upon the gift of the Atonement if they couple their weakness with a desire to be made strong. Thus we read that if men come unto me in their weakness and confess their weakness, then through my grace weak things shall be made strong unto them. Christ laid claim upon His Father for our souls because He had purchased them with His life. We literally became His own when He paid the price for our sins. He bought us back, brought us back to light and life from spiritual darkness and physical death. Now we, through our faith in Christ, can lay claim upon our Father in heaven through Christ who is our mediator. Through our faith in Christ, we can lay hold of every good, spiritual, temporal gift, if it so be for the purpose of doing good. If you are suffering spiritually, if you are lacking financially, if you are poor in spirit, emotionally needy, or mentally exhausted, the answer is the same. You are lacking in God's abundance. You are living in scarcity. If you desire to do more good, you cannot give drinks from a dry fountain. Ask that your fountain be filled with sweet and pure water. In and of yourself, you are nothing. You have nothing. But if you can simply exercise a particle of hope, hope can grow into a mustard seed of faith. Faith without works is dead. But faith in Christ, exercised and coupled with charity, the pure intent and motivation to do good with whatsoever gift you seek from Him, this qualifies you for the work. You must also add to the equation meekness and lowliness of heart, seeking to build the kingdom for His glory, ministering to souls.
Why? To bring souls unto a complete repentance, and this so that they might be filled with hope, faith, charity, meekness, and lowliness of heart, so that at the last day it will be well with them. To lay claim upon Christ is an act of boldness, courage, and complete faith in His divinity. It is to ask with real intent, with nothing wavering, and with power expecting to receive. Couple that boldness of heart and mind by laying claim upon the Lord's love, mercy, forgiveness with a sweet and meek and lowly heart, and you have grown in the true spirit of humility. Humility is knowing that without Him we were nothing. Meekness is standing in complete control over your emotions. With Him on your side, nothing is impossible. Anything good, if you can conceive it, is probable. So come unto Christ. Approach Him with absolute faith and confidence that He is offering a free gift to you. Exercise your complete confidence in His gift by laying claim upon His gift in the spirit of gratitude and reverence. His atoning sacrifice will cover a multitude of sin and diverse kinds of indebtedness and weakness, everything from spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, financial, and otherwise. We receive not because we ask not. Ask not amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. Ask and you shall receive. The windows of heaven are just waiting to be opened unto you if you seek for his gifts in order to create more goodness and mercy in the lives of others. If you seek a gift, seek it for the intent of doing some good and you shall receive it. Ask in faith, nothing wavering, laying claim upon his infinite and undeniable love for you. This is true and perfect faith. Not to approach the throne of God as an orphan begging for a crumb of mercy, but as a child of God secure in the knowledge that your heavenly parents want to bestow every good gift upon your head, even your divine inheritance, every kind of abundance, so that you may go and share the excess of His love with others. Ask and ye shall receive. Ask for more and receive it with a grateful heart. You are not as the orphan Oliver, who held out his empty bowl to a stern schoolmaster who denied him his request. But you are indeed spiritual princes and princesses, clothed in the costume of flesh, coming unto the throne of God, making your request known in good faith, knowing that if you ask, you shall receive seconds, thirds, fourths, and so on, if you come seeking more, earnestly desiring to help build his kingdom here upon the earth with the gifts that he himself bestowed upon you to build with. Do not fear him. In nothing doth man offend God, or against none is his wrath kindled, save those who confess not his hand in all things and obey not his commandments. And what has he commanded us? To be humble before him and be submissive unto him, gentle, easy to be entreated by him, full of patience and long-suffering, being temperate in all things that he has given and will give to you, being diligent in keeping the commandments of God at all times. 
asking for whatsoever things you stand in need, both spiritual and temporal, always returning things unto God for whatsoever things you do receive, and see that you have faith, hope, and charity, and then you will always abound in good works. If you desire greater abundance in your life, do not harden your heart, and therefore he that will harden his heart the same receiveth the lesser portion of the word, and that he that will not harden his heart to him is given the greater portion of the word, until it is given unto him to know the mysteries of God until he know them in full. And they that will harden their hearts, to them is given the lesser portion of the world until they know nothing concerning his mysteries. And they are taken captive by the devil and led by his will down to destruction. Now this is what is meant by the chains of hell. The chains of hell, simply stated, is the bondage of the adversary. Whether that bondage be physical, financial, emotional, mental, or spiritual, it all leads to destruction. If you would succumb to his bondage, be content with a lesser portion of the word. If you would have liberty in life, ask in faith for more, for God's abundance in all aspects of your life. Do not die in scarcity when abundance is only a prayer of faith away. Choose ye this day whom ye shall serve. Choose light and life and liberty. May claim upon Christ for all his blessings. And charity suffereth long, and is kind, and envieth not, and is not puffed up, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, and rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, if ye have not charity, ye are nothing, for charity never faileth to accomplish her goodness. Wherefore, cleave unto charity which is the greatest gift, for all things must fail. All kingdoms, principalities, dominions, families, homes, and individuals, unless they possess the pure love of Christ. But charity is the pure love of Christ, and it endureth forever. And whoso is found possessed of it, at the last day, it shall be well with him. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, pray unto the Father with all the energy of heart that ye may be filled with this love, this motivation to do good and pure intent, which he hath bestowed upon all who are true followers of his Son, those who are meek and lowly in heart, Jesus Christ, that ye may become the sons and daughters of God, that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, and that we have been fashioned in his image through our faith in him, that we may have this hope, that we may be purified, even as he is pure.